With spring right around the corner, maybe you like me, you're excited to get out for longer walks and runs, pick up a new book to read outside, or just get out and explore new neighborhoods and food. Or we could do all three wrapped in one. Our friends over at Read and Run Chicago are expanding to nearby Lamont for three different meetups. The group is like a combination running club, book club, and neighborhood tour, and each route in Lamont is about three miles paired with a different book from Pat Camaliere's Corotazi Historical Mystery Series. Afterwards, you'll get to sit down with the author and historian and sample some food from local restaurants. The first run is Saturday, March 23rd. Spots are limited and are going to go fast. So register now at readandrunchicago.com or find the link on their Instagram at readandrunchicago. Today on City Cash Chicago. All summer long, I've been hearing how Chicago is coming back with tourism up, packed hotels, crowds outside, and no shortage of daily events. But remember, restaurants are still reeling from the pandemic and inflation, and we've seen some major closures. Here to tell us what this means for Chicago's world-class dining scene is Eaters Ashok Selvam. It's Wednesday, August 30th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Ashok, welcome back to CityCast Chicago. Good to talk to you, Kobe. Uh, Jacoby. Uh, closures are not my favorite thing to talk about, and I get, like, people throw darts, like, oh, you Chicago wrote about the next closure, like, you're fetishizing closures, but... Wow, do people care? And it, it's so heartbreaking to talk about this on a, a regular basis. Did any of your favorite restaurants or some of the, the restaurants you've enjoyed going to close this summer? Well, the uh, ones in the process of closing, that, that would be uh, Owen and Engine in Logan Square. Uh, it's a an English-style pub. It was one of the first real kind of uh, highlights in Logan Square. Not to say that Logan Square didn't have restaurants before, but it was a little sparse. It was like, you know, you had the Golden Nuggets, you had uh, your Burger Kings. So this was an independent restaurant run by Bo Fowler, and she was very dedicated to making sure the neighborhood had uh, a restaurant where they could find top flight ingredients. It's still open. It's going to be open uh, by the end of the month. But for like the kind of the quality food that they had, they they also had one of the best burgers in town by a long shot. You know, they would make their own bun in in house. They would grind, you know, short rib and use, you know, cheddar cheese, not just like, uh, you know, the, the craft slices that we all grew up with. This restaurant really uh, proved to a lot of folks that Logan Square was a neighborhood to be reckoned with. And it, it was was one of the first. And I am really sad about that closure because also the circumstances surrounding that closure. He had a, a chef, uh, Chef Fowler, who, uh, you know, rec- was recovering from a heart attack, suffered two years ago. And, uh, you know, she she couldn't tend to both of her restaurants at the same time. She thought she could. But she uh, she was telling me that it was just too hectic. She was uh, really hi- finding herself hiding in the kitchen, hiding from customers. That's how she was do- dealing with her anxiety. She had some, uh, you know, she just had priorities where she was missing uh, family uh, events. 
And then mm-hmm. at the end, she just like kind of needed a, a bit of an intervention saying like, this isn't what I told my doctors I was going to do in terms of keep, uh, you know, taking it easy and stuff where working 80 hour weeks, you know, roll back, you know, it'd be a miracle if she did 40 hour weeks. So with all that kind of uh, combined in, in a stew, it just became a very volatile situation. So uh, Chef Fowler had to choose between uh, keeping Owen an engine open or Bishi Beer, which is also in Logan Square, her uh, Asian uh, brew pub. And Bishi is is newer. And, uh, you know, it, there's some poten- more, probably a little bit more potential there. So Owen and Engine was, uh, you know, had to be on the chopping block. The City of Chicago Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection offers a free entrepreneur certificate program for future and current business owners in Chicago. Participants must complete six webinars within six months in designated webinar categories. Graduates are eligible to apply for the CIBC Bank USA Entrepreneur Loan Program, a bank partner with BACP. The longstanding program was created to support startup or early stage small businesses, gain entrepreneur training with important working capital. Since the program launched, more than 1,000 Chicago entrepreneurs and business owners have successfully completed the program. Completing the process is as easy as one, two, three. Number one, register by signing up at chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. Number two, attend six webinars by registering for upcoming webinars at chicago.gov slash BACP webinars. And number three, graduate from the program and you'll receive your digital certificate and information on connecting with CIBC Bank USA. To learn more about the BACP Entrepreneur Certificate Program, please visit chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. I mean, I've seen in you all's reporting everything from John's Pizzeria that was open for for seven decades, you know, Pearl Southern Comfort and Edgewater, which was open for eight years to to some places that were only open for, for four months or two years. Are you seeing any trends on what type of restaurants are closing? Are they staples? Are they ones that are, you know, just popping up and not making it? Right now, it's... I. I like I, I will resort to my uh, my crutch about the pandemic. Everyone thought they got through that. They got through all the multiple stages, and now people are tired or exhausted, and they just can't sustain that same energy level that got them to survive. And right now, it's like, why? What else? What's the next obstacle? Or they're just like running out of gas. You know, with John's, it's a family owned business and, you know, no one else wanted to kind of, you know, like they lost their lease. But what's the, is the next generation? It's really hard to find that that uh, the, the younger generation wanting to continue the business after they see their family, their parents uh, struggle for such a long time now. Some other folks like they love it. Like hospitality is in their in their blood and they lo- live to see people happy. But that's kind of a, a unusual beast, and I can't. Again, I can't blame folks. They're like, "All right, we had a we had a good couple decade run." You know, like at the average, like when you even see restaurants around for eight years, that's a fantastic run. Usually, you know, yeah. it's in the two to three year uh, period, and and it's and it's time to go. 
Are there any geographical trends in terms of which neighborhoods, which areas of the city are experiencing more closures? It's pretty well spread out. I got to say with, with, with closures, we're not seeing that many trends with uh, geography here. Uh, I, I will say that uh, as far as the type of restaurant, you know, it, it's it's going to be like the independent mom pops that are that are going to be hurt the most. You know, they didn't uh, the new restaurants when they were applying for PPP grants or loans, uh, they didn't get a lot of money because those applications were based on uh, past performance. So many people have written about Josephine Southern Kitchen over in Greater Grand Crossing. And, you know, I, like you said earlier, I don't want to write an obituary here because the restaurant is still open and has been open for decades and decades. But they had to switch to weekend hours uh, because they weren't able to sustain business all week. They've thought about looking for different locations, moving um, from where the, where they've been before it was, you know, Josephine Southern Kitchen or Southern Cooking when it was Captain Hook's Kitchen. So the, it, it's really hard to see not simply these closures, but in some cases, the the sort of writing on the wall as things are leading to what sometimes feels uh, very inevitable in some of these cases. With the pandemic being such a strong reason for closures, you know, how, how are the trends looking in terms of pre-pandemic? Are we seeing so many more closures? Are we starting to level out come 2023 versus 2021? It has been a good summer, and I, I know that sounds like very like optimistic, but you know, with the warm weather, like I'll, I'll show you like one metric that I look at is uh, mm-hmm. our our maps and and traffic for like who's reading what, and consistently the Eater Chicago thirty eight, which is our list of uh, the best restaurants in in Chicago, which is also a really good tool for visitors and tourists that has consistently been like either the number one story across the eater network or you know in top five easily so for me that signals there are you know there is a little bit of recovery at least on the tourism side uh so that's an optimistic that's 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 great uh what i'm going to predict is People are going to run out of money and patience, and that's going to make for a not so not so uh, enthusiastic winter. And I don't want to write about the closures, but I think uh, I think that we're we're going to see a little bit more, like some of the closures that maybe may have been uh, may sh- should have happened already uh, because of the pandemic, but that PPP money. Uh, I just wrote a story earlier this week about Maple and Ashley, uh, one of the top grossing restaurants in the country, and how investors in a lawsuit accused one of their owners of using uh, part of $7.6 million in PPP money. He used $2 million allegedly to buy a private Learjet. To so get you're the seeing, Lear. Yeah. Yeah, that Learjet. And, uh, you know, I, that's for the courts to decide if that happened yet. But, uh, you're seeing, you're going to see that on a micro uh, scale uh, of folks that maybe didn't invest in the right way. And again, some of these mistakes are really going to, you know, surface in the next couple of months. I feel. Why is it important for the eater for you all to to track these restaurants and you know how how they're doing and when they close? Well, the you you want the honest answer. The honest answer is, you know, Chicago is such a 
a city with developers that are so thirsty on what the next space is going to be and what the next empty space is going to be. And when they see a closure, they are like sharks to, to blood. And they're looking at potential, like finding a new tenant. They're trying, looking for a client. And then, you know, that was my cynical answer. But then you also have, uh, you know, chefs and uh, folks that have been in the business for a while. Maybe they've been working under big groups that are looking for their own space. And they're looking like, wow, I like this uh, location. It works for me. It's got the vibe. It's got the community I, I serve. But there's not a lot of, of uh, openings right there. So when they see someone go down, that does provide an opportunity. And, and that's uh, no one wants to hear that, but that's just me being honest. So that's one of the most important things. And then when you see closures from longtime restaurants, restaurants are where uh, memories are made. You know, that's where nostalgia, you may have celebrated a birthday, a first date, uh, some sort of milestone event. And when they close, uh, part of you just vanishes. As I move through the stories and I mean, there's always such deep context, but I've always heard that restaurants are one of the hardest businesses to open, to sustain, to 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 make a hit. What, what would you say is one of the number one reasons they they ultimately don't work out for so many? So folks don't re realize the the toll of late hours, the toll of uh, you know maybe working with people that uh, you know may may not have a, a high threshold. They know they can go somewhere else if things don't work out. And sometimes there's some really ugly there's some ugliness in restaurants that uh, we don't talk enough about probably. But you know I I, I give I, I give everyone who finds a better situation, like, hey, that's that's amazing. But sometimes, uh, you know, the situations aren't as dire. And, you know, what what have you really committed in the restaurant, which is an hourly wages? They don't give you benefits. You know, you can just get up and go. You know, you can just no show. And, you know, that's that's it. There's no really consequences uh, there. Yeah. Um, you know, from talking about Star Wars closing, like a Seven Treasures, which has been there for 40 years. Um, you know, you also write about optimistic stories, right? The the new chefs. Uh, are there any openings that you're looking forward to? Oh, there are there are there any openings right now? There's a a, a spot in Westtown called Juk Singh, and it's supposed to take kind of the the idea of a uh, an Asian night market. You know, these huge outdoor affairs that happen that are popular popular in China, Vietnam, and Thailand. They have a couple around in North America. Last week, I was in one outside of Vancouver, and there's like these awesome vendors with great food. So they're trying to encapsulate that feeling into their space where they're going to have retail bar snacks, bar foods, and that. That sounds really neat. Like they're gonna have like cool versions of like ramen instant noodles. I really like the the places like Boonie Foods uh, in Old Irving. This Filipino restaurant's nice and bustling, and that's the type of place. Uh, Warlord in Avondale. You know, you were talking about uh, Josephine's and Labor. There are not a lot of places that are opening late night, but this place serves food till one o'clock. And like that got me really excited when that opened uh, earlier this summer. And now like more of the communities figuring out why, why people are waiting two hours around the block uh, uh, to, to, to get there. And that, that makes me excited. Uh, it really had a kind of a, uh, a pre-pandemic uh, feel. 
You know, like you just don't see folks lining up at night and for anything. So when you see that, I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. That makes me restore my faith in humanity again. All right, I got a couple places I need to pull up on. Yeah, Warlord, don't don't sleep on it. It's a good a good spot. Ashok, I appreciate you making time for us. You've joined the show to talk about everything from summer meals you've enjoyed to openings and closings. It always means so much to us. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to talking next time. Before I let you go, some good news. Queer Fan Pride Jam is taking over the Saucier Fairgrounds this Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The event is free and open to all ages. So stop by to get your face painted, do some family yoga, or check out the vendor market and stay for the slow-mo dance party. I'll drop a link for you in the show notes. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you're reading our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago. Subscribe now at chicago.citycast.fm. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Here to tell us what this means for Chicago's dining scene is the Chicago Eaters. That's too much Chicago. Too much Chicago. Shake shake that ass for Chicago. Shake shake that ass for Chicago. Shake that ass for Chicago. Shake 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 that ass for Chicago. Ah, here we go. Starting over.